What up? Welcome to the LuFit Podcast. Uh, before we get into the episode today, I just kind of wanted to provide a little context to the episode. Uh, my guest today was uh, Dr. Nance of Accelerate Sport and Spine. He's a chiropractor out in Rancho Cucamonga, California. So if you're local to the area uh, and you're dealing with any type of nagging injuries, pain, or discomfort, definitely go check him out. He is the man to see. He's very thorough, very knowledgeable uh, on and has a background in sports medicine along with his chiropractic experience. And so he's definitely the man to go see. Uh, we talked about a lot of different things today. We talked about training. We talked about coaching. We talked a little bit about his background. Uh, he was actually on the podcast two, two years ago in one of the earlier episodes that I did. And so you don't have to go back and listen to that one in order to listen to this one. It's not... It, this could be done as like a standalone, but it, it is interesting. It would be interesting to go back and listen and kind of see if our thoughts on anything have changed over the past uh, couple years and how we speak and how we think about different things. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. And then uh, he also did a this. He provided a lot of great information and he kind of broke down. Uh, like adjustments, right? Like the cracking and things like that, that chiropractors are, are most known for. And so he did a good job of breaking that down and explaining it and, uh, actually helped me understand it a little bit more. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And so just overall, we had a great conversation, great discussion. So if, uh, yeah, without further ado, we'll get right into it. Uh, if you have any questions for me, don't hesitate to reach out. You'll find me on Instagram at Lufit. 20 so it's l-o-u underscore f-i-t underscore 20 the number 20 and uh yeah thanks for listening i appreciate your time and uh, if you could uh like subscribe share this with anybody that could benefit from listening uh leave a review i would like to make these episodes better i've been doing this now for this is like episode 40 something so hopefully we're improving but if i can make the episodes better and more um yeah pretty much improve on them i would love to do that and i would love to hear any feedback uh that any anybody listening could so without further ado here we go my conversation with doc nance of accelerate sport and spine uh today guest on the podcast is dr nance from accelerate sport and spine uh doc nance go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh what you do uh, as a chiropractor, your practice, and then just a little bit of background on, you know, your uh, education, uh, sport, things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, you, like you said, I'm a chiropractor in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, California here. I've got my own little practice to accelerate sport and spine. Uh, I work a lot with, you know, mostly athletes, um, really of, of you know, varying sports, um, my office is located inside a CrossFit gym, so that happens to be, you know, who who I'm around most of the time. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I'll work with anybody from softball players to powerlifters, uh, snowboarders, try to think of you know some other people, or and, and, and grandmas. You know, uh, obviously the grandmas have different goals than than the young softball players, but uh, that's. Uh, everybody has something they're trying, they're trying to do or what they want to do. And my goal, uh, for myself is, is to try and, and help people be able to 
do whatever the heck they want to do. Uh, whether that's, you know, snatch 300 pounds or, you know, throw a nine mile an hour fastball or pick up a grandkid. Um, so that's, that's my, really my mission of, of my company and my business and, and why I do what I do as a chiropractor. Um, and yeah, so a little bit further back down the road. Uh, so I've been in practice now almost three years. Uh, prior to that, I was in school up in Portland, Oregon, uh, at a school called the University of Western States, where I got my doctorate in chiropractic. Uh, also picked up a master's degree in sports medicine uh, while I was there. Uh, so that, that program was three years uh, before that. Uh, I was a competitive javelin thrower at Azusa Pacific University here in Southern California. Uh, got my degree in chemistry there. Uh, and that's really where I got into wanting to be in the sports medicine world, um, just dealing with the various injuries of being an athlete uh, and trying to stay active and trying to uh, be it at peak performance all the time, uh, which, you know, knowing what I know now probably would change how, how I approach uh, training to sport, you know. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought all that, uh, your uh, college athletics up too, because uh, I know, like I said, you were on the podcast before, and uh, but just so this one could be a standalone. Uh, in high school, you did also do uh, track as well, right? Like you didn't just do javelin throw? Yeah, right? so yeah, so the javelin throw is, you know, uh, a, an event within track and field or yeah. how, how it's, you know, referred to in most of, most of the world outside of the U.S. is athletics. Um, so within the athletics world, there's distance running, there's the sprints, the jumps, uh, and then the throws. So in college, I was a thrower, uh, but in high school, uh, and, and prior to high school, I was a distance runner. Uh, I ran everything from the 800 meters uh, to the mile in high school, uh, ran cross country. So those would be, you know, 5K races, five kilometers. Uh, mm-hmm. And then once I got to college, I was training. Uh, I was training, I I wanted to be a middle distance runner, 800, uh, in the, in the mile, like those, those were my jam. I loved those races. They were, you know, long enough, uh, that, you know, my white ass could run fast. Uh, uh, and, but also short, uh, short enough that, you know, I wasn't out there racing forever. Uh, Um, once I got to college coaches were really pushing me more towards, uh, 5k, 10k, uh, or racing, uh, the marathon. Um, so, you know, like we talked about before and, you know, I'll mention now is that really didn't jive well with, with my body, uh, and kind of biomechanics ended up running to a whole lot of lower leg injuries, shin splints, stress fractures, um, and then dealing with those on and off through the early part of, uh, my college career really led me into what, what I can look at, look back at now is, is a lot of an overtraining kind of cycle where I would, I would be able to train really, really well for, you know, maybe a month, two months, uh, two months would probably be the longest that I ever really had a good solid block of training. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I would, would, would have an injury or pop up with an injury. Uh, then I'd be off for, you know, two, three weeks and then try and come back again. And I'd get, you know, three, four weeks in and have another injury. 
uh, you know, so, you know, looking back at it now is this really bad cycle of, of overtraining where I'd be good for a little while. And then I push, uh, push into that realm of not having really great recovery, being overstressed, uh, in my workouts. Uh, and then that would lead to another injury. Um, so I wasn't really managing that load very well. And when you're on a, you know, a team with 20, 25, 30 different individuals, uh, it's really sometimes hard for, I think, the coaches to, to pick up on some of these little things because they're managing so many different people, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and that I think that brings up an important point, too. Like you said, how you got into, like, your sports medicine background and everything that you learned uh, going through your education and stuff like that. You look back on it, and you're like, well, shit, like, I could – this was – all this was – I don't want to say easily avoidable, but it could have been managed better, like you said. Oh yeah. So it's like all those, um, all that overtraining and injuries and all that previous uh, athletic experience. I I think that makes you uh, like better now as like a, as a practitioner and kind of what you do in your practice because you're like you can tell patients like, hey, this I've done this before. Like I see where this goes or I know how this ends up. Like it's not going to be good, you know. And you can kind of mitigate and help a lot of people in in that way, you know. Yeah, and I. Uh... That's, you know, that's really how I view, view myself now is, you know, like trying to just be, be that help that I, di- I didn't have uh, mm-hmm. and, and recognizing some of these maybe tendencies or, or stresses uh, that can cause uh, injuries uh, and, and seeing how we can manage them because we can't always, you know, maintain a, a complete injury free training or injury free life right so how can we manage our stresses to make sure that when we do have an injury pop up we're prepared for it and we can minimize the impact of that injury on our overall training on our overall life yeah um, yeah forward. big yeah good point too because uh even when when i was going through and getting my degree too, like a lot of instructors that I had, professors were starting to come around to the idea of basically, like you said, like it's not, it's not injury prevention that we do. It's like it's injury like reduction. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that can be, because it's just the nature of sport or life or just, just movement. Basically, it's like it's a matter of time before something happens, whether it's major, minor, or whatever. But something will happen eventually, right? It's not if. It's just it's when. And it's like, yeah. what can, what's the severity of that injury and can it be reduced? Can it be, like I said, like you said, managed and, and, and properly taken care of basically. And, yeah. And, and I think, and, it, yeah, I think it's just that, you know, is, is these things are going to happen sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think, I think research can support that, that, you know, and, and even just, you know, anecdotally, you look at, you know, even some of the, the athletes we think is, is the best in the world, uh, you know, they come down with injuries all the time. Uh, and we see that, I think, a lot more nowadays in the, in the you know, 2020s than we mm-hmm. did maybe in the 1990s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where at professional athletes are, are managing themselves better. Uh, they're still getting injured, mm-hmm. but they're managing their, their training and their load so much better so that they're not getting injured maybe as much where they're able to come back potentially better after an injury. Right. So if these athletes were getting paid to not be injured, 
right, are still getting injured. Um, those of us who aren't on that level, right, is it is it a good expectation for us to think like we're not going to get injured? No, I don't think so. Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, yeah. and so um, getting back to your uh, after you finished uh, your college career. Uh, you kind of got into like uh, weightlifting a little bit too, or were you already doing that when you were training uh, for throws? So when I was training for throws, we did a lot of lifting, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not as, as much as say like the shot putters uh, mm-hmm. or, or the hammer throwers. Um, but even as a javelin thrower, right, the goal is to move this implement that the javelin's significantly lighter than the shot put, you know, the mm-hmm. men's, the men's shot puts, uh, 16 pounds or 17 point like 17.28 kilos uh if i remember the kilos right uh you know that's significantly heavier than javelin which is is 800 grams right it's just under two pounds okay so uh relatively light as far as weight goes but we're trying to throw it so far so you know the the importance is really stressed on a lot of strength um, but taking that strength and being able to use it efficiently, uh, get yourself in really good, solid positioning so that mobility has got to be there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's not just building up muscle mass, like, you know, shot putters can get away with being a little bit more, a little bit more bulk, bulky, less mobile, um, still not optimal for them, but they can get away with it. Right. Yeah. If you're not mobile as a javelin thrower you're opening yourself up to so many injuries um shoulder wise elbow wise uh especially um but you know other other body parts as well so the you know the i got into the weightlifting in college um and you know especially the the olympic weightlifting was a big staple of our programming Mm -hmm. uh you know mostly with the cleans and the snatches uh we didn't do a whole lot of jerks uh, but we did get into some split jerks here and there. Uh, and, and those were really just kind of reinforce that, that split legs position. Uh, cause that was really, uh, you know, vital part of, of the javelin throw. If you've ever watched it, um, being stable in that, you know, that long legs extended position were real, super helpful. So, uh, but yeah, got into weightlifting as part of college, um, got into it really more. So I would say once I got into chiropractic school, mm-hmm. um, I was still doing until that point, I was still doing some competitive throwing, uh, through my first year in Cairo school, uh, and then kind of moved away from it as I got a little bit busier of a schedule, uh, and focused more on, on a little bit of the weightlifting really the latter half of Cairo school. And then once I got out, um, I just started doing it more, a lot of research, a lot of reading, uh, a lot of look at the biomechanics uh, and and how you can leverage different body styles or, or body body types to mm-hmm. to have better lifting technique. And, you know, and who's going to be good at Olympic lifting versus who's going to be good at, you know, maybe a little bit of different power lifting or, mm-hmm. you know, how in the gym different body types are going to predispose them to being just better at different movements. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And kind of how you can like optimally set up your and alter your technique basically, right. Based on your leverages. Oh yeah. At least based on your leverage, based on your center of gravity, like really how long your limbs are. Mm-hmm. Right. 
uh, you're going to be better at certain, certain lifts than, than other lifts, or, you know, maybe you're actually not really going to be a great Olympic lifter, no matter how much you train and try, uh, mm-hmm. because your body type just isn't right for it. Um, you know, that's an, I think an unfortunate fact of life that, you know, no matter how much you love to do a certain activity, sometimes it just doesn't cooperate with your body. Um, yeah. and that's something I think that I learned, you know, early on in college, uh, trying to be a distance runner, uh, my body's just not made for it. And, and you know, you know, me, I don't look like a distance runner anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and even when I was, uh, in college trying to be a distance runner, I didn't look like one. Um, yeah. they, it was really funny. This is going to go off on a little tangent, but I think it's a funny story. Um, I was at, I was at practice, uh, one day and we were, I don't remember what, what workout we were doing. I think we were running like one fifties or two hundreds or something on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, and a teammate of mine, I'm, I think his name was Wade. I can't remember his last name right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was in my first first year at, at APU. Um, and he was one of our better runners. Uh, and we're, he got to the finish line after running his 200. And he was he, he just kind of lingered around on the track. And, you know, you only know this really if you've been a track runner or been around a lot of track meets of like, hey, like you cross the finish line. If you're not going to keep if – you, if you cross that that – line at the end of the 100 meter sprint you're not gonna keep running get the heck off the track and get out of the way yeah uh because there's someone else coming behind you um i was the one coming behind him and he didn't move and you know i was coming real fast and i just plowed him right over (laughs) um so it's funny from from there on my coach saw that uh preston gray uh he's moved on from apu at this point but it's funny at that point he's also from the from the midwest um like i am so Mm -hmm. You know, for the next for the rest of the time that I was a distance runner, they called me the Midwest Express. Uh, <laughs> I just kept coming through, and you know, I didn't care. You know, people were in my way. I'm going to go through them. <laughs> uh, so even at that point, I think it was kind of recognized, like, hey, you know, not built like a distance runner. Right? Yeah. Why are we trying to do this, right? Right, and it, so a couple of things I wanted to go back to. One of them is uh, y- you brought up like. Uh, how it's like some people aren't built to do uh, certain things, right? And so I don't know if maybe you'll disagree with this or not. Or maybe it seems like I'm pushing back a little bit, but it. Uh, I think just because people aren't built to do certain activities, maybe at like a, a professional level or like at a very high level, I don't think that means like people shouldn't try to do them or shouldn't want to do them if they don't like them. Does that make sense? Oh, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, just because okay. you're not – just because your body type's not like optimal for being, you know, the peak, you know, Olympic weightlifter doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't Olympic weightlift. Yeah. Yeah. And jerk or, or snatch. Um, I think it just, you know, it's something to understand of like, you know, maybe your body proportions aren't great for, uh, for a squat jerk. Right. Right. Or yeah. Maybe your body proportions aren't really great for, getting that really, really deep ass to grass front squat, mm-hmm. you know, um, front squat doesn't mean you can't squat jerk trying to, if you're, if you're a six foot six individual, uh, who's really, really long in arms and legs and you're trying to squat jerk like a, you know, 
five foot six uh, Asian who you know grew up doing this or the anatomy to to do a squat jerk. If you're trying to recreate yeah. their positioning, uh, probably not. Probably not going to happen. It might not be beneficial for you, right? Yeah. But doesn't you can't try it. It doesn't mean you can't have some level of success. Yeah, but, exactly. And the, I just wanted to uh, we could, like clarify that. Oh yeah. I, like I said, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it, it didn't think you didn't think that or not. But I'll also say too that, and again, maybe you'll agree with this too, or maybe not. But it, especially with the Olympic lifts and stuff, like you get so much benefit not just from like a, a strength and mobility wise, just from being in those positions, but just also like the coordination that carries over to like other things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those like those. Uh, like attributes or like one of those skills that that carries over that you don't really see but it it does carry over you know what i'm saying like it may not be like apparently obvious you know yeah and yeah i think that that's 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 very true you know the the mobility of being able to get in like a good a good receiving position for a clean right mm-hmm. or be in that good front rack position that mobility mm-hmm. is going to translate into into a whole lot of other things right the core mm-hmm. stability that you get from from an overhead for overhead squatter or a receiving position for that snatch, mm-hmm. uh, that can translate into really anything, right? Uh, because you're you're stressing your body in a certain way, you're you're gonna get that benefit from it, um, not just strength wise, but coordination wise. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's cool. So that's why I I think it's cool that like you did pick up the Olympic lifts and stuff like that and. Because it just it just makes you like overall more athletic, even if you're not yes. quote unquote like great or built for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's why you know they're they're a huge staple across a lot of different um, strength and conditioning programs. You know, mm-hmm. power cleans, power snatches, um, different variations of them, clean pulls, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, snatch pulls, overhead squats front squat different variations of the of you know and, and reductions of the olympic lifts they're a huge staple in, in strength and conditioning and even in some rehab circles um you know they're going to be really really good for for building you know just the building blocks for being athletic um but doesn't mean you if you're if you're not good at them right it doesn't mean you're not an athlete because i've seen some really really good athletes just absolutely suck balls at doing clean. <laughs> they're just like abysmal right like the like coordination just, is... yeah, the coordination is just not there so yeah. like yeah there's a high court there's a, there's a high level of correlation between i think being able to do a clean and jerk and being just athletic in your movement right mm-hmm. but that does that that's not always the same you can be a really great olympic weightlifter and hit really good positions and really great lifts and you can just be an abysmal you know, horrible soccer player. Yeah. Right. And vice versa, right. You could be a great soccer player, but not even know what part of the barbell you pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, they have like, they, they, they carry over to one another sport and then the Olympic lifts or just maybe strength and conditioning in general, but they don't, like you said, necessarily uh, mean that one being great yeah. at one means you're great at the other but if you get good at both like you or get get good at one that you're lacking like you could almost be like enhance your 
yeah. your, your ability, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, there's huge carryover between between the two, right? Being able to sprint fast means you're probably going to be able to, you know, probably be able to power clean more because you mm-hmm. have that explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and vice versa. Like, if you get stronger versa. at your power cleans and you really focus on being explosive at the hip, no doubt you're going to be able to produce that power out on the yeah. track or no, wherever yeah, no, you're doing. No doubt you'll, it, as long as you work on the progressions to be able to do these things, mm-hmm. right? Because just because you can have a high power clean doesn't mean you'll be able to go out on the track and you're going to be able to sprint. Yeah. Uh, we've got to work up to these things in, in their own avenues, right? Yeah. Um, they can carry over, but at the same time, that power clean does not necessarily have a high power clean does not necessarily mean you have a great sprint and vice mm-hmm. versa. You know, yeah. um, you've got to be training specifically to sprint to have a great sprint and specifically training to have a good power, a good clean. If you want a good clean. Yeah. Um, 100% agree. And, and there's not always a, a great carryover. The Olympic lifts aren't necessarily uh, one size fits all for every sport. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, maybe cleans or power cleans aren't the best training methodology for your sport mm-hmm. or, or for your goal. Right. You know? Right. It, it's just like everything else that uh, we do, like in terms of exercise selection or programming or whatever, it's like, it's, everything is just a tool. And so you just mm-hmm. have to select the right tool for whatever issue it is that you're trying to, or whatever goal you're trying to, to, to achieve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, you know, part of, part of what I, I like to do of working with, you know, coaches, mm-hmm. um, strength coaches or, or sports specific coaches. If I can, um, I like to stress some of these things with like, Hey, you know, that, that bodybuilder workout that you're having your, your baseball players do, hey, it's going to get them strong. Yeah. They get them good muscles, great looking biceps, mm-hmm. awesome looking triceps, which triceps are underrated. I absolutely love, you know, nice big triceps. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, just like, yeah, it's going to make them look strong, but is that going to translate the best to keeping them strong for their sport and, you know, reduce their risk for injury? Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to like your original point of like, you, you could be strong, but like you have to be able to like productively apply that strength to whatever it is you're trying to do so yep. going back to your baseball example is like they look strong but does that make them throw faster does it make them throw harder does it make them their coordination better when they're hitting the ball like yeah if, it, if none of if none of that happens then what's the point of your program basically yeah. in that it's, specific scenario yeah you're getting them strong and and for for the most part i will probably i'll probably you know you know i might change my mind on this in 10 years or so but oh, yeah. i think that for for any level of athlete whether you know and and just to get my definition of athlete out there uh i think anybody anywhere who is trying to perform any sort of movement is an athlete whether you're whether yeah whether you're 85 years old and you just need to sit on the toilet heck you're doing a squat right or you need to unload your dishwasher you're doing some sort of ground to overhead kind mm-hmm. of movement, right? If we want to refer to that to like CrossFit terminology. Yeah, ground uh, to shoulders. Ground to shoulders, ground to overhead, right? Yep. Uh, you're picking stuff up. You're putting it places. You're an athlete. You're doing something athletic. You're moving, right? Um, but if if we want to train for that, we've got to be having the right uh, right kind of stimulus and everything. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. And then, so I, I want to go back to you, um, and maybe you told this on the last episode that we did, but it was like a couple years ago already, and I may have forgotten, but I didn't know that you uh, had a background in chemistry um, <laughs> yeah. from, <laughs> from, from APU. <laughs> and, and so what made you, because this is interesting, because last week I had um, Dr. P on, or two weeks ago or whatever, and he had a similar thing where he, now he's in the kinesiology department, he's a, he professor biomechanics all that good stuff but he actually had a background in engineering like biomedical engineering or something Mm -hmm. like that where something you don't think is necessarily like related i mean and of course they are there's there's a you can take all those that knowledge and apply it to you know kinesiology and so same thing for you like you have this chemistry background what makes you make that switch from chemistry to more to pursue more like sports medicine and becoming a chiropractor and things like that what what did that look like so so that looked like uh i mean it's all it's all a little convoluted uh way of ending up where i ended up uh but you know i think you talk to really any chiropractor uh and you know save for a few but you know maybe talk to 90 percent of chiropractors or you talk to every chiropractor 90 percent of them will say you know i was thinking about getting into into some sort of medicine. I didn't, I didn't really care what, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I wanted to go to med school, uh, but then something happens along the road that then changes up how you think about things, right? Mm-hmm. So I originally went to school in my undergraduate to with the goal of getting into medical school somewhere. I didn't care where, right? I had the idea of like, hey, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. You know, I wanted to work with athletes in that route. Um, but what happened along the way was I kind of saw what that looks like. Um, and it didn't mesh up with my idea of what I wanted to do with athletes, right? Orthopedic surgeons, you get someone sent to you, they have a problem, right? Or they've got a torn ACL or they've got a rotator cuff tear or they've got a labral tear or they've got torn ligaments, right? What do you do? Oh, you, you, you go in and fix it and you send them on their way, mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's what orthopedic surgeons do for the most part, you know, working with athletes, simply they come into your office, they've got a problem. If you quote unquote, fix it, uh, and you send them to the rehab professionals, the Mm -hmm. physical therapists, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, and at that point, realistically, who's, who's working the most with the athletes. I think it's the, the hands on the manual therapists, uh, and they're going to have the, the bigger role working with those athletes to return from injury, what we call return to play. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to have the bigger impact on return to play. They're going to have the bigger impact, uh, I, I think, on reducing the recurrence of, of injuries and the bigger impact on, on how that athlete performs overall, how quickly they get back to their level of performance. Um, so you know, and that, that just comes from my seeing that comes from the history of, you know, I had a knee surgery my freshman year of college uh, mm-hmm. of like, you know, I, I saw who really was taking care of me and who, who was just cashing the big checks. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah you, you look at earning potentials and orthopedic surgeons or medical doctors or, or doctors, osteopathic, uh, 
they're the ones who earn the money. Well, I mean, they take on the most risk of putting, you know, having someone under anesthesia, actually mm-hmm. cutting into someone. Yeah, they have they have a lot more of the risks involved in their job, and so and a lot more of the training, I think. So you know, yeah, they cash the big checks. But for me, uh, you know, this this wasn't getting into this wasn't about the money, and so I I really wanted to be hands on, and I'm very uh, like I. I put a premium on trying to build relationships with people uh, and to build a relationship. You don't see someone five times in your office for, you know, maybe a total of less than an hour. Um, you know, and I, and I think back to my knee surgery, gosh, I can't even freaking remember what, what that surgeon looked like, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, much less. I don't think he spent more than 20 minutes with me when I wasn't asleep with an, uh, under anesthesia. You know, right. Um, and then I had a hip surgery my fourth year in college. It ended up being my junior year of, of track. Um, I had a hip surgery. You know, I spent a little bit more time with that with that uh, orthopedic surgeon because you know at that point I knew, hey, this is where I kind of want to go uh, with my career. I spent mm-hmm. a, I try I purposefully asked him a lot of questions and spent a lot more time with him. But it still, I think, amounted to less than an hour total time over, you know, over the, the time frame from pre-op to, to, to post-op appointments. I think mm-hmm. all of those, you add them together, it's going to be less than an hour of total wow. time. Um, so I think if we're really looking at who's, who's really working with athletes and who's really having that impact, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the manual therapist, it's the, the physiotherapist or the Cairo or the, even the strength coach. Yeah. Or the sport or the sport specific coach. Right. Um, they're, they're the ones who are having the biggest impact on athletes. Um, and so I kind of came to that realization after a while and, you know, but at that point I was already into, into my chemistry degree. Um, and, and I decided, okay, how, how can I apply what I'm learning now to, to working with with athletes and realistically there's not a whole lot of chemistry that goes into into being a chiropractor um yeah beyond uh the the sciences that we all are required to know because you know there, there's a th- certain threshold i think when you when you get this title of, of doctor or or physician that mm-hmm. you sh- that you should have a certain level of knowledge about a lot of things right uh, or a certain intellect um and and i think some of the chemistry and science degrees and those courses that they make you take i think they help bump that up a little bit it's kind of like a if you can't meet this standard you know it, this field's maybe not right for you right kind of thing so it's a little bit of gatekeeping uh i think with those entry standards uh, but it helped it the, the chemistry did definitely help me get into get into school yeah uh, and then it so- set, set me up better to focus on the things I wanted to focus on once I got to Cairo school. Nice. And so do you think that uh, you, you brought up like that gatekeeping, do you think that gatekeeping is, is a good thing or is it a bad thing? Like, how do you, how do you feel about it? Uh, I, I'm indifferent to it. Um, it's like, it is, what it, is. It, it is what it is. Um, there's still a lot of, you know, crooks that are not really crooks. There's, I mean, I don't, there's still people who, who get into medicine either in the MD, in the MD programs, the DO programs, the, the DPT, the, the physical therapy programs or, or the Cairo programs. 
Like there's people who get in who really shouldn't be in those kind of programs. Right. Um, so it's like anything else. There's good people that are good at their jobs, people that are bad at their jobs, like with everything. Yeah. And there and, and yet there's also people who are really good at their jobs mm-hmm. but who are really shitty people. There's that too. Oh. <laughs> there's that or, too. Someone... Or there's people who are, you know, uh, who are really, really great people, uh, but are unfortunately subpar job performance wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I you know, I, I would always prefer the the medical doctor who really really cared and who was a really you know great caring person mm-hmm. who maybe took just like a day longer to figure out what's going on yeah right because then that caring and that i th- i think that that translates a little bit better to to the overall level of, of health care that you get right um, yeah it just makes the experience better overall. Oh yeah, and and the better experience, it, honestly, it, it leads to better outcomes. Uh, like you could you can do everything a hundred percent correctly, and if you're just a freaking asshole, your your outcomes are going to be poor. Even yeah. if you did everything right, your outcomes are going to be poor because you're an asshole. Yeah, but, because it's like it's really a two-way street, right? Like it's like it's the yeah. doctor providing the care, but then it's the patient being receptive to it in yeah. whatever the situation. And if they're not receptive, then it's like, well, they're not. Yeah. You're not going to get the the positive outcomes or the better outcomes, like you said. Right, and you know, I mean, in in your world as a, as a strength coach or as a you know as a personal trainer, mm-hmm. um, like the more you care for your athletes or and your clients, and the more you're there, and the more you put into their programming and, and the better you connect with them mm-hmm. that doesn't matter your, your programming at that point doesn't matter because they're bought in yeah right? that yeah that's huge and i'm sure it's the same with uh, the patients that you see too is like if uh like you said if they're not bought in or they don't want to do the corrective exercise or take the steps that you give them outside of the uh the appointment then they're just not going to get nowhere, right? You know. Yeah, um, I, I agree to that a point to to a point because I've, but I but I see I see it all across the board. I see I see patients who who don't do their exercises. They still get better sometimes. <laughs> a lot of you're a just, lot of the time. Hey, you're just that good, dude. I'm just, gotta I'm just, take that, some, gotta I'm just take that freaking some, good. It's all you got to take me. some credit, man. Yeah, no, I my patients only get good because of me. Uh, it yeah. doesn't matter what else. It's all me. It's my ego. No, that's, I, mean, yeah. I don't, I don't believe that for a minute. Um, but, but they get better. I, I think because of, because of my outlook, um, because of how we're able to connect, you know, and if I didn't spend the time I spend with my patients, getting to know them, getting to know their story, getting to know what their goals are, what their ambitions are, you know, like why they want to get better mm-hmm. then you know if i didn't spend that time with them i don't think they would uh, that we would get the outcomes that i get um you know because people still don't do their exercises which i know they don't you know if you tell uh, a busy you know i'm sure you hear this this all the time again in your in, in your personal training world or the strength coach world like <laughs> you got a busy mom of four who can work out three hours a week mm-hmm. right and you give her extra stuff to do at home, 
and and she comes into you two days later after seeing you like did you do the stuff at home she can say no heck no i didn't do yeah. it yeah she's like you what know? are you talking about no that's why i came to see you yeah that's why i'm here to see you like we can do stuff here right um yeah. so knowing that there's a little bit of there's always going to be barriers to to self-care at home um and so you know we keep things simple and you know i'll try to try to really minimize not minimize but get the minimal minimal effective dose right yeah what's the smallest amount that we can do or smallest amount that we can change that's still going to get you the maximal benefit yeah right yeah and i'm and in agreement with you there that's 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 what we try that's what i try and hone on with with patients and and sometimes for a lot of them it's it's a soft tissue work we do some exercises in, in office here we adjust and we send, a, send you out the door and and you know i'll give you things to do at home knowing full well you're probably not going to do them uh but you're still going to get better because of maybe your outlook on what's bothering you has changed mm-hmm. or you're just, feeling better right or you're getting or you feel like you can move then things start feeling better right but then there's i've also seen on the other side of things where you know, I've got this patient. We really connect. We're really we're doing everything we possibly can, and and they're hundred percent on their homework and and their exercise, their home care, their self care, and they're just not getting better. You know, it's at that point that I'm like, all right, let's let's try something different. Let's, let's yeah, try going to to a different provider, right? Let's let's get imaging. Let's find out. Hey, is are we approaching this the right way? Or are we not approaching this the right way? You know, and, and yeah. switching up approaches sometimes helps, and sometimes, and again, it doesn't help. Um, and at that point, you know, take a different, we take a different route. But it, it, it's it's all across the spectrum. You know, some people don't do anything uh, other than just the, the the care we do in office, and they get better. Some people do everything with the care we do in office, and they don't get better. And then in, in between, which is what I see most often, is yeah, you know, everything usually kind of falls down the middle, right? Yeah, you know, we do all the work in office. They do realistically 50% of what they're supposed to do at home and they get better, you know, um, or, or they improve their goals and they and they improve towards what they're getting, what they want to do. Um, and that's the whole goal, right? Going back yeah. to that, it's, it's just, how can I help? How, how, how can we work together to get you where you want to be? Yeah, that's huge. And that, and I think that's like, you, that's like an aspect of coaching that you, you do and going back to like when i asked you like why why sports medicine why chiropractor and stuff like that and you just you brought up a point about like everything is just so so segmented like you see the surgeon he does he fixes you patches you up and then you go see the next provider and they do this that and the other and then you do this and so it's the like the approach that you take with your practice it's it's it seems like it's more there's more depth to to it and again going back to like you said that's why you have better outcomes is because maybe it you don't see as many patients as you could be seeing, or maybe you don't, you know, you're not like just turning out numbers and burning through people like crazy. But the people that you are seeing, like the quality is there, you know. Yeah, and, and I think, know, yeah, that could be a little bit of selection bias. You know, the fact that I see people who really want to get better. Yeah, you know, um, and there's always that aspect of like maybe I'm just seeing a population who, who who they see they get better right um because there's some of that in there too and i just want to interact, interact like you know there's there's only certain biases that you're going to see based on where you're at who you're seeing mm-hmm. but i i don't love the aspect of medicine that you see this person for this you see this person for this right yeah um 
you know, I and we we've talked, but I'll bring it up right now so that everybody else can you know hear it of like you know, where you get your where you get your health care is really where you want to get your whole body cared for, right? You know, and I think that that's why like I'm kind of unique or not really unique, but I think that the model of being in the gym where I am um, is really best model uh, for medicine for, 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 you know, healthcare of you're getting, you can get everything taken care of. Right. You, you you have a hurt shoulder. You can get that taken care of at the same time. You, you know, you're working legs. Yeah. Right. And, and I've seen that with, with you and your, uh, and your patient interactions, like you, yes, you see people in office and like you said, you do the, the manual therapy and things like that, but then I'll see you take people out onto the gym floor and show them like, this is how this is supposed to feel. Like you're, you're basically training people, you know, in your, yeah on certain now, specific movement patterns and stuff. Oh yeah. Specific movement patterns, specific, uh, you know, specific goals. And like, I'm not, I'm not coaching anybody unless I'm, I'm out on the floor coaching. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want to make sure that like, that is, uh, that is, uh, that I, I do have a little bit of delineation of, you know, yes, I coach CrossFit classes. Uh, yeah. But like when I'm coaching, I'm coaching, uh, and I'm not projecting medical or healthcare advice into the coaching. Uh, and sometimes advice, you yeah. know, you know, being, being, being a Cairo, I kind of do have a little bit more of the scope. Uh, to be able to to do coaching as as you know part of part of our treatment, right? Um, mm-hmm. I try I do try and keep them delineated a little bit. Um, that when I'm when I'm working with athletes, yes, I'm coaching them through movements, uh, but we're always there's always our specific goal, our tre- specific treatment in that of like if I'm taking you through a squat, it's because we're trying to minimize you know back pain or we're trying to limit your you know pain you get from from back squats or for deadlifting yeah. right we're working yeah. on that technique with that specific goal in mind of improving your movement so then when you go into a class or you go into your training you're better equipped movement wise to train better and reduce your injury risk yeah for uh, sure and it, it just goes back to what you said like about the gym being like your one-stop shop because like you said you it it goes both ways like you said somebody gets injured out on the floor uh or for whatever reason they're like all right i'm gonna go see doc nance or someone comes to see doc nance and they're like man i should really start working out hey look we got trainers and coaches here like it's right yeah. there like oh go yeah to it. and you know this this like for for a lot of people uh in, in our world a lot of their physical ailments um whether that's you know, diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, like you want to have the medications for those. Like I'm oh, not yeah. one of those chiros, not one of those chiros who say don't take medications. Uh, <laughs> right. I, think, I, can, I think that's absolutely absurd. Um, yeah. Everything has but, its place. Yeah. Everything has its place. Right. Um, but our goal should always be to, well, at least in my opinion and, and the opinion of some, some medical doctors I've, you know, I, I like a lot. Um, the, and maybe I like them because they confirm my biases a little bit. Uh, huh. But the goal should be to to get you off of medications, right? Medications should not should should only be the bridge until we can manage these things without chemical, uh, you know, interference or chemical modulation. 
um, we should be able to manage our diabetes and manage our high blood pressure, heart disease uh, via diet, via exercise, right? And so mm-hmm. being in the gym where we can promote that, promote that healthy lifestyle, uh, you know, I think that, that the gym of healthcare is, is a great place. And, you know, if we approach uh, healthcare from just, you know, that physical activity side of things, we can, and, and nutritional side of things, because, you know, we have our coaches here who, who do nutritional coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, approaching life and health from that side of things, I, I think you're going to get really great outcomes. Um, yeah. And well, everything, everything points to that. Like it, how many times do you see somebody come in and they're like, man, like I lost all this weight. Now I feel better. I'm off my medication, all this stuff and everything. And like, what would you do? Well, I just, I switched my lifestyle a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, I started, I started exercising three times a week Yeah. Around, along with going on like two walks a week. Yeah. Uh, and, and through that, not only, you know, when you're fit and more physically active, like you want to eat better because like who wants to go eat a hamburger, you know, from McDonald's and, and, or a Big Mac and then go work out right afterwards or yeah, don't really feel great. work out or work out later that day at all. Uh, yeah. you know, or who, who's going to eat a bunch of pizza at lunch and then go work out after work. Like, yeah, you, you become a little bit more conscious. You're going to become more conscious because like you want to feel good when you work out of, you don't want to be like, Oh God, I'm so heavy from eating this, you know, shit lunch or whatever. So mm-hmm. it, it changes a little bit of how you approach your life and your lifestyle. Um, just wanting to be a little more physically active in the gym. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, so that's that's helpful, and I think again another reason why like I want to position myself uh, in in that always promoting physical activity uh, because it just has its benefits for for all all of your health. Um, yeah, and not just your physical health, right? Your like you know typical healthcare profession, like you know medical doctor health that we're, we're thinking about, but it's also yeah. your your psychological health right your your social health getting mm-hmm. around people that care care about you and care how you're doing you know uh, I think one of the coolest things about coaching CrossFit classes or group fitness classes on a consistent basis every single day and I know you see this um, every day yeah you know, in, it's, a small, it's in a small yeah, small little dose. You see these people, you get to know them, and when somebody's not there, part of the group isn't there. Everybody notices. Yeah, that's the first thing. Where's so and so? Where's this? Yeah, person? where's uh, wait, wait, why, why is this person not here? Oh, they're on vacation. Yeah. Okay, cool. You don't yeah. see them the week after they get back from vacation. You start texting them. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Blast, you blast them on. You blast them on social media. Uh, yeah, like, it might you know. <laughs> Uh, like they don't show up. Somebody, somebody's texting somebody and saying, "Hey, where are you at? Like, why weren't you here? Missed you today." Um, yeah, exactly. And it creates that accountability that that working out alone doesn't it doesn't give you. You know. Um, yeah. So, so like, I, I back in the past, you know, maybe when I started uh, Cairo School, I wasn't the, the huge proponent of CrossFit. Uh-huh. Um, but as I've as I've matured and understood a little bit more about kind of the community that it, it, it provides and seen it really in a, in a fairly healthy way 
mm-hmm. you know, no, like nobody, nowhere is going to be perfect, but seeing it in a healthy way with health, it's fairly healthy, um, you know, community, it, it can do wonders for people. Uh, and it's not for everybody. Yeah, right? it, it's but, not, but it is something that's, it, it's a very powerful tool. I mean, that's why I've done it for so long. And you do have like, dramatically like once you kind of i don't want to say you bought into it but like kind of once you started uh coaching and like seeing like oh okay like there were some there's some things and i'm sure there's some things you probably still don't agree with like about the methodology or maybe about how we do things or whatever uh but you you started to embrace like the movements and now like dude you could do toast to bar you can do double unders you can do like bar muscles like all this stuff that you would never been able to do before and now you can do it and so i think yeah. it seemed like you improve like your athleticism yeah and, and i your, think your overall fitness yeah and i think that that this goes to a little bit of change in training methodology and and and, and opinions and and goals you know like mm-hmm. when i first got here uh into in the crossfit foothill you know where, where mm-hmm. we're both coaching uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I first got here, I was actually still training to be a competitive javelin thrower. I remember that. So the certain, you know, movements that you mentioned, like bar muscle ups, toes to bar, double unders, you know, those weren't, or wall balls, you know, God, wall balls <laughs> or, or, or burpees, burpees. I don't, I, I will never understand why we program burpees so much in CrossFit. Uh, other than the <laughs> fact that they're hard and they're stupid and everybody uh, but you know, like some of those things, they weren't in the necessities that I needed, uh, to train for. So, you know, they, they weren't going to add anything into my fitness level mm-hmm. that was going to add to my ability to be a javelin thrower. Right. So that's where I come back to some of the specificity, like, you know, uh, you don't have to do a bar muscle up as, as a crossfitter. You don't have to. No, modify around it, and sometimes you get a better work at workout if you don't do bar muscle ups, right? Uh, nobody has to ever do uh, a full what CrossFit CrossFitters call a squat snatch. You know, I'll never yeah. understand squat snatch. It's just a snatch, guys. It's just, it's just a snatch, full snatch. It's just a snatch. Just no, yeah. it's not even full snatch. It's just a <laughs> just snatch. snatch. <laughs> That's all it's it is. Just... It's just a snatch. And if you hear you know, power snatch, then you know the difference. That's it. Yeah, there's, there's only two snatches. I mean, there's yes. different snatches. There's a split snatch and yeah. the, you know, but like yeah. CrossFit-wise, we care about snatch and power snatch. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. People it's, see, it's, they, they right. see snatch and like, well, does that mean I have to squat it? I'm like, yes, that's what it means. Yes, yes. That's what, that's what is written. But, it's implied. But to be healthy and to be a healthy individual, you don't have to be able to squat snatch. No, right. I mean um, it would be it's it would be great if you could. It's only going to make you better, but you don't have yeah, to. You don't ever have to walk better. on your hands either. Yeah, it's you only going to make you a you know better athlete and move better, better, yeah, move better court, have better coordination. Yeah. But is it going to make but, you a better person? No. Yeah. Is it going to make you? Is it going to make you a fitter person? Not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. As far so. in terms of like everyday life and just existing like on the planet, it you're fine. Like you don't ever have to do some of the things that we yeah. do yeah like i said is it is it good is it does it have its benefits and and things like that yeah of course but it's not a hundred percent necessary you know what i mean like someone's yeah. got bad shoulders like they shouldn't probably be walking on their hands if it doesn't feel good for them you know what i mean like yeah. it's nothing it's yeah, nothing there's... you're not 
so many other things that we can do that's going to get the same kind of training stimulus uh, yeah. in, in, in the long run would yeah. probably be a little bit more healthier for that individual. For sure. um, and so I think that CrossFit, at least in the last six years, you know, since I've started Cairo school, you know, I think they've come a long, a long way in kind of approaching things differently, which is why now I think I can get fully behind it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but you know, some of the training methodologies I still don't agree with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like yesterday's workout here, um, you know, we go heavy, heavy, vol- like not really oh, high volume we're, deadlifts, we're but talking about it, yeah. heavy weight deadlifts. Uh, and then yeah. we go into a workout, which is a leg burners on the assault bike uh, and decently More heavy deadlifts, deadlifts yeah. in the workout. And it's supposed to be fast. Like you're supposed to be getting well, what it ended up being 11 and seven, right? So 18 deadlifts and 20 calories on the bike. Yeah. And so that's in where 90 like, seconds that comes into um, I, I'm in agreement with you there too. Like, I think that certain there's been a, there's been a certain um, like blending of like uh, of sport CrossFit programming and like just actual CrossFit. Like I don't even want to yeah. say pure CrossFit, like, but just what actual CrossFit is. Cause like if you go on CrossFit.com, you will never see a workout like that where it's heavy deadlifts and then, medium deadlifts and an assault bike like it's either going to be one or the other and that's all you're going to do and so in for example yesterday where it was something like that like i i truly believe that that has just been it's just a it's not like the most optimal programming for just the general like someone that just wants to be fit for life you know what i mean now if you're a competitor and you are doing that type of thing and you're in the sport of crossfit for sure like you have to do some things that are going to like test you in that type of way but as far as like like general, like overall yeah. health and fitness, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you there too. That there's yeah. certain, there's certain things where I'm like, I don't, I don't agree with this either. You know, what I mean, from yeah. from a coaching perspective, you know. Yeah, from a coaching perspective, and, and from a you know trying to keep gym members healthy perspective. Yeah. Um, that or the workout, like you know, specifically yesterday's workout, like as it's written, if you're a good, strong athlete, that's not going to be a problem. Right. Right. But if you're kind of that. Or, or if you, or if you know your limitations really, really well, and like you say, hey, I don't need to ever deadlift heavy. You don't yeah. have to. You don't ever have to deadlift heavy. Yeah, exactly. You to, like, if you can lift your body weight, cool. Let's move on, right? Yeah. Um, but like, if and you know your limitations, and you know, like, hey, this is how I can scale this workout. Or you've got a really good coach who can say, hey, we're going to scale this back for you. Yeah, right? exactly. If you can do that. Yeah. If you can do that, and you can stay, you know, you can stay really healthy, or you're a good, or you're a good high level athlete who can do the, do the workout as prescribed and, and not have any issues. Great. It's that kind of middle ground of people who are generally, you know, decently strong, but maybe not be focused on their form very well. Or, Mm -hmm. or those people who, who have a little bit ego and say, yeah, I'm as good as an athlete. I could do that. And then, then, you know, you get into your like, wait a minute, no, I can't do this, but you still try and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's where I think we can run into some problems. And I think that that's a good portion of, of some of CrossFitters. I think, uh, again, it's all dependent on setting and where you're at and yeah. your population and who, if you, you know, but if you've got a lot of ego guys in your gym, sometimes you got to call them out and say, Hey, this is, this workout's not for you to go RX. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. let's, let's scale this down a little bit. Um, 
And so then some people don't want to do that. And I think that that's when they get hurt. Uh, yep. But, you know, so like, yeah, I have my beefs with the workout yesterday uh, that we did. Um, but at the same time, those athletes who were able to do it really well, that are high level athletes, they didn't have a problem with doing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. Or those yeah. people who scaled really well, they didn't have a problem. Um, and so it's definitely doable, but at what level, right? Yeah. At exactly. what weight on the deadlifts is this doable? At what pace on the bike is this doable? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I think really, really good, well educated coaching comes in uh, and say, hey, you know, this is what we got to do. But also then, you know, making sure there's a good coach to athlete ratio. Uh, it doesn't get too big, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got one coach who's coaching 25 athletes, uh, you can't watch every athlete. You right. Can't. It's just not. Yeah. Just, and yeah, so, yeah, I'm in agreement with you there on that as well, too. Like I said, it, and then, of course, like the argument like you brought up would be like, okay, well, like, yeah, that was the workout, but you know, if you scale it right, like it's fine. And that's true. And so I think it's just creating like that. I like, I've pushed people to scale the workouts all the time. I'm like, look, like you could do this workout, whatever, quote unquote, uh, RX or as prescribed or whatever, but like, but that doesn't mean you should like, right. You're not get you're not going to get the stimulus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, you'll, you'll get through it and probably feel like shit for like two days after whatever. But like, what do you, what, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be healthy and fit or are you trying to run yourself into the ground? You know? Yeah. I think that's, I get caught up every now and then when I'm coaching classes of like, you know, it, and maybe you do too. I don't know. Um, but like, I've got this athlete who's been working really hard on this skill for a while or like has, has, has reached a really good, you know, strength level of like, Hey, they can do this RX plus now or RX. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. Like they've got the strength to do it. Um, but they're, they're scared of doing it. Right. And mm-hmm. because they don't know that they can. Yeah. And, and I run into those athletes every now and then. And I'm, and I like to give them a little push. Right. Yeah. That push of like, hey, you can lift a little bit more weight. Yeah. Right. And I think that's our, that's our job as like coaches yeah. is, is, is it's, doing that, that, da- that dance and like that balance of like, hey, like these people got to be reeled back a little bit because they're going to either break themselves or they're not going to have a great workout. And then other people, like you said, need like that little push because they're like hey like come on let's throw some weight on the bar let's quit playing yeah. around like you're or, better than or that quit, or quit playing around with those banded pull-ups yeah like, let's go to something that's gonna really get you stronger right let's throw you into some some uh toenail box assisted pull-ups yeah right and, or or some eccentric pull-ups right get yeah. rid of that band that's a crutch for you you know yeah I, take your time <laughs> hit some really strong positions in your pull-ups and you know maybe they take you a little bit longer in the workout and you don't yeah. quite reach the well, goal number of rounds yeah what do you do though right yeah what we want is you want you you know are you here to get stronger cool let's do something that's gonna get you stronger are you yeah. here to just sweat cool go in the yeah, corner work out by yourself and sweat you know yeah and right. dude when you brought those banded pull-ups so this is a funny story so uh i won't say who it was or whatever i want to put them on blast but Oh please! Somebody, do. somebody. Please please don't, don't, I could tell. Don't. I could tell. I could tell you off air. I could tell yeah. you when I see you in the gym. Um, but this, but this member comes up to me, and this happened like maybe a year or two ago. Comes up to me, and they're like, "I go, they go, so I can't do pull ups. Should I do bandage pull ups?" And I was like, "Oh, I was like, well, why don't you try?" Um, I forgot what I told him. 
I told them to do, I, I think I even told them the toenail or like do jumping pull-ups or something like that. Cause yeah. if you want to keep the intensity high, like do jumping pull-ups and you can still work on your pulls and work on being slow on the eccentric or the way down. Right. Yep. And then they go, Oh, well, I always use whatever the, this band or whatever. And I said, okay. And I was like, well, I was like, let me ask you a question. She goes, what? I go, how long you been using that band for? And it just got real quiet because I said it. I didn't mean to, but I said it in front of like the whole class. I like, got the whiteboard, <laughs> and and then it got real quiet. And she just looked at me and just like, like you, like it hit. Like oh, shit! Like he's right. Like I have not ever been off of this band before. Like I've been on the same color band for this many years. Like I've never gotten better. I've never done this or whatever. And then so, but to her credit, uh, she did start working on like just regular, like, you know, doing different variations of pull-ups that weren't banded and she can do freaking like one strict pull-up now and like a couple like string together, like a couple singles on the strict pull-ups, which is way better than where she was before those previous five or six years she had been doing banded pull-ups, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great, you know, example of, you know, like knowing when to, you know, when to challenge somebody. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, to her credit, she, she, like, she was a little embarrassed and I did feel bad after, but it, it, it worked, you know? Yeah. I think, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's appropriate. I think at some point to, you know, call someone out a little bit on, on some of the stuff, you know, especially if, if they're, you know, not, not advancing and they're, and they feel like they are right. And I, yeah. pull, pull ups is one of those ones that, you know, to you like, if you want to drink, if you want to get strong, pull-ups are great to do it. Yeah. Right? Pull-ups up, pull and push-ups. Like everybody should be able to do pull-ups and push-ups. I'm not saying you got to be like a calisthenics king or something like that. Yeah. But, but one, you literally, one strict body weight pull-up. Yeah. Like, you, you should be able to move your body weight through space. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel that. And even if you're like nowhere near that, like you can get there. It will take a lot of time and dedication, but everybody can do it. Like, how many big powerlifter dudes have you seen that can rep out pull-ups like for days? Oh yeah. And you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. or push-ups, whatever, like people can do some pretty crazy stuff with their body. Like, and I think that's like, a, it's not as a focused on or no, it's not it as isn't. pushed as much, but it, it, it should be, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. There's just, just being able to move yourself and how you ever need to, right. You fall into a hole. You gotta be able to pull yourself out of the hole yeah um, and if you can't even if you there's no band in the hole with you so what are you gonna no, do there is. <laughs> you, know, you slip off a cliff one day you know pulling a mufasa what are you gonna do fall found on a cliff and die um like that's and you're me thinking like shit i shouldn't have been doing those banded i, sh- I should have been time. doing those banded pull-ups there ain't no band here to help me out um you gotta you gotta go pull yourself up right so yeah. like there's a, and even just just pulling yourself up once one pull up mm-hmm. boom mm-hmm. you're there right mm-hmm. um so yeah there's those thresholds like challenging people i think that's one goal everybody in the gym should be able to have um a little bit of push-ups a little bit of pull-ups yeah for sure and like i said even if you can't do them in the the amounts that where you could find in like a typical crossfit workout it's like still yeah you gotta you know what i mean you gotta have that that threshold like you said and i think that's something that a lot of people bypass because they want to look cool doing kipping this kipping that yada 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 yeah. oh the kipping and, looks cool and it gets you yeah. gets your heart rate up and yeah yeah it's like it, it has a place on, yeah it has it has a place but at the same time if you can't do a strict pull-up and you're kipping uh no, bad news it's bad news yeah probably probably bad some bad news you're gonna be in my office one day complaining of shoulder pain or you're yeah. not gonna be in my office complaining of shoulder pain 
meaning you're just going to be complaining about your shoulders and not do anything about them. Yeah. Because yeah, you, like you're because out. you because you didn't have the you know the forethought to oh maybe I should do strict pull ups first. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You might not be thinking of hey if my shoulder hurts maybe I should do something about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you're not taking that initiative to get yourself stronger. You're probably also not taking that initiative to to make sure when you're hurting, you address what's hurting. Yeah, definitely. And and then, like I said, going back to like, I think that's like the the balance and like the delicate dance that we do as coaches is trying to find where we can help people. But then it's on it's on like you said, it's on other people too. Yeah. It's like like, like what are you really there for? Like, do you want yeah. to look cool on Instagram or do you just want to like? do ugly reps of something like do you not really care how your reps look or do you, yeah. do you really care about getting better you know yeah and, and you so, know i'm i'm not i i think i've moved away from this as as a little bit of a, a clinician you'll see you'll see like a big guy who on social media who's who harps on this all the time uh squat university mm-hmm. i know, love that dude i i like him too uh i wouldn't say i love him uh, <laughs> I, I, I like him um uh, he puts out some really great information mm-hmm. um but at some point, I think he's a little bit reductionist in how he views certain things. In what um, ways? It, reducing things to say, hey, hip shift here is bad. Hip shift here is bad. Uh, mm. Need to do optimal form this, optimal form that. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit, especially in the, in the movement world or the manual therapy world or like the phys- mm-hmm. uh, physio, physiotherapy, uh, you know, Cairo world. Like we make money off of optimal movement, right? right? We make money off of saying, "Hey, we got to get you aligned in this. We got to get you aligned in that. We got to mm, okay. level of hip shift here, right?" Uh, we make we make money off that stuff. We do. We make money off of rehabbing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or a lot of chiros will say, "You're you're misaligned. We have to adjust you so many times a week for so many weeks." Right? That's how yeah. we make money. Right. But is it for someone who's not exhibiting symptoms or performance uh, or, or decreased performance because of a slight hip shift mm-hmm. or a slight toe out uh, or a slight, you know, extra torque in, in their, their foot, like their left foot turns out a little bit while they're squatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're not necessarily seeing that detrimental performances from mm-hmm. that or you know, decreased performance from that, Maybe it's not a problem, right? right? Or someone has a little bit of a uh, a butt week when they go into a really deep ass ass to grass, you know, back squat. Right. Okay. Maybe I get. There's I get not what you're a problem saying. with that, right? Um, and so that's where a little bit of my beef with the squat university guy comes in. Of like, hey, you don't have to have specific shoes to squat in. Heck, if you're squatting and you're moving weight, great. I'm happy for you. You can wear whatever shoes you want. You can wear no shoes. You can wear Vans. You can wear, you know, uh, the Nike uh, Romula, Romuleos or whatever. I don't know how you say that word. Oh, uh, Romuleos. Romuleos, yeah. You can yeah. wear those or you can wear, you know, you can wear freaking high heels to squat in for all I care. Yeah. <laughs> little stripper squats. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can – as long as you are active and moving and you're having a good time with it and you're not in any discomfort or pain for the most, for the most part, you're going to be okay. Right. Okay. Um, I, I see, I see what you're saying now. You so know, it, 
but it, but it goes both ways. I think of like, yes, there's going to be certain movements that you don't want to do because they're probably going to cause you pain in the future. Uh, like your hips shooting up way too quickly in a deadlift. Mm-hmm. The stripper deadlifts. Right? Yeah, the stripper deadlifts. Um, or you know, you you get yourself actually into way too much extension, lumbar extension in a deadlift. Uh, you know, probably going to lead to a little bit of some back pain or back tightness after mm-hmm. a deadlift warm up or workout, right? So those times, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more sticky about, about some movement. But for the most part, if you're moving, I'm happy. As right. long as we're, you know, free of pain, free of, free of dangerous discomfort because some discomfort mm-hmm. is good, right? Um, and, you know, free of extra symptoms popping up later on. For the most part, you're going to be good. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that 100% makes sense. And so I... I I see what you're saying now in terms of like, yeah, like you said, of course, everybody always wants to, you want everybody to move well and move uh, with good mechanics and stuff like that. But maybe you get to a point where it's like, hey, we're kind of splitting hairs here a little bit about certain things, you know? Yeah. And those splitting hairs is keeping someone from adding 10 pounds to their back squat. Right. 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 Or keeping someone from, you know, deadlifting over 400 pounds. Right. If mm-hmm. we're splitting airs that's, and it's keeping someone from improving their performance or reaching their goals, we're doing a detriment to that athlete or to that mm-hmm. client. Right. And like you said, vice versa. They, like, they just, this person just wants somebody to move so well so that they don't become like injured or whatever, something like that, right? And same thing, it just goes back to like a balance of basically like kind of dancing around like, okay, how can we get you moving well? enough to keep improving or get towards your goals, but we're not going to sit here and make sure that your pinky toe has enough pressure applied evenly on both sides when you're yes. squatting. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that I agree with, you know, we, yeah. we got to balance improving, uh, taking, taking enough time to improve our movement, but mm-hmm. also spending that optimal amount of time moving. Yeah, because you're not gonna you gotta get reps in. Like at the end right. of the day, it's, it's yeah. repetition. I yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know I used I used to do this. I used to, back when I was in college, and you know this this just shows how like you know you change opinions over time as you mm-hmm. gain new information, which is always good. Mm-hmm. You know maybe the stuff we we say today, you know, is completely out of line with what I said two year two or three years ago when we had, you know, when we did our last podcast. Yeah. Right? Um, it would be interesting to go back and listen. I might do that. I might go back yeah, here and, and just see what we, see, like, we're talking hey, about. What's what's changed, right? If I'm mm-hmm. spouting the same bullshit that I'm sorry, I'm cursing. I I have a really foul mouth. But if I'm spouting the same information, you know, today that I am in ten years, and nothing has changed, and you can take today's podcast and uh, or today's discussion and, and listen to it ten years from now, and if I agree with absolutely everything I say. I haven't grown and I haven't actually advanced in any sort of knowledge. Yeah. We haven't gotten better. Yeah. So, you know, but in college, I, to warm up for, for my weightlifting, uh, before, uh, before morning weights at six 30 in the morning, uh, I would actually get to the weight room before six o'clock in the morning to spend a half hour foam rolling Mm -hmm. or, or 20 minutes foam rolling another 10 or 15 minutes doing specific mobility exercises just so i could feel good working out yeah now i went from then spending an hour and a half in weights 
doing sports specific stuff to now dedicating over two hours of time, you know, that I, that, that half hour beforehand wasn't necessarily taking away from me doing anything else except for maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of sleep. Yeah. But, but you, there's you, an argument there that your, your sleep is important, probably yeah. more important than the extra 30 important. minutes of foam rolling. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely more important than 30 minutes of foam rolling. Um, <laughs> but if you take that kind of idea and you apply it to, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Corporate, you know, who, who is, is for, you know, small, Mr. Small business owner or, mm-hmm. or uh, Miss Small business owner, right? Uh, you know, they don't have two hours every day to work out. Right. They're not making their money like that. They're making their money off of whatever their job is. And they're just trying to be feel better. Yeah. They're just trying to feel better. They're just trying to move. They're trying to sweat. They're trying to get stronger in the Mm -hmm. limited amount of time they have. If if this person has one hour a day to work out or one hour a day to, to get treatment as far as like PT or, or Cairo treatment, what in that one hour time is going to be the biggest benefit yeah and same thing going back to like the original minimum effective dose right like what's yeah. going to get you the most bang for your buck in right. the amount of time that you have right and i'm going to tell you right now uh foam rolling is not supported by a lot of the research to be hugely beneficial mm-hmm. uh and so am i gonna am i gonna have that client who i have for one hour am i you know give them 15 minutes of foam rolling and then another 10 minutes of mobility work. And then all of a sudden I've got 35 minutes left to put them through a strength training program. Yeah. And it's like, mm, that's probably not the best, right? Yeah. So looking at how, how do we best warm someone up quickly mm-hmm. and put them through their work and then allow them time, a little bit of mobility then, you know, that's yeah. I don't know how we got on that, but yeah, but that's where um, we want to go. Yeah. And so uh, before we started talking about that, uh, you brought up a couple of things. And, and so uh, yesterday on my Instagram story, I just put, told people that if they had any oh, sure. questions. Yeah. You had a bunch or, of questions. yeah. So um, the main ones, and this may be no surprise to you, but uh, all the couple of questions that did come through, they all had to do with uh, adjustments. And uh, so you well, brought that up. And so, um, yeah, tell us like, what's the, uh, What's with the adjustments? Are they good? I mean, I, I assume you're going to say they're good, but you know, what are, why are there some people that have uh, problems with adjustments or, and this may just be just, just bad. Um, I don't even know, like misinformation or whatever, like on social media, which is the worst place to get information, but that's besides the point. Um, I don't know. I disagree with that. I think uh, social media is a great place to get information. Um, it's, it's an amazing place to get information, but being able to sort through which information is uh, quality is information or quality yeah. information. That's the harder part. Okay. Fair. That I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll take a step back and say that. So uh, yeah, just give us the, give us the gist on adjustments. Dude. Like what, uh, why do you do them? What are they, what are their benefits? Uh, and you even talked about, I think you were real honest about how like, yeah, this is how we make our money is doing adjustments. Now I don't think it, uh I've seen how you practice with patients and your interactions. Like, I know you don't just adjust people. I know that you do other modalities and you, like we talked about this whole, this whole time, you do other things to treat people and get people to their positive outcomes. So just, and you haven't even, you didn't even bring up adjustments once until the very end right now when you were talking about it. So 
the chiropractor. Tell us about yeah. the adjustments. So, so adjustments. I mean, these go back a, a, a long ways, and, and to give some like brief history. Uh, the, the best way I think to understand the adjustments is to is to understand a little bit of brief history of kind of chiropractic and, and the adjustments anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so long time ago, I mean, not that long ago, the chiropractic is relatively young as far I mean, but so is technically MD programmed. Uh, but back in the late 1800s, uh, the guy did the first quote unquote chiropractic adjustment, right? What he did was he smacked the guy on the back and the guy was deaf. And then all of a sudden he could hear again. So that's the, that's the, you know, reported, <laughs> right? this is the first adjustment. Uh, and from that point, uh, this guy, uh, this, this, the first chiropractor, uh, came up with this theory of, you know, uh, some sort of spinal misalignments or what he called a subluxation uh, that then caused some sort of health problems for certain, for, for individuals, right? Subluxations at this level of the spine caused such and such and such and such and whatever bullshit that he was spewing at that point in time. Um, mm-hmm. But for him and for, for medical science at that time, that, that was plausible, right? Of, you know, maybe, nerves get impacted by you know vertebra being quote unquote out of place Mm -hmm. um so then he came up with you know then you know spinal manipulation as as a treatment for certain things has been around for a long period of time you know you go back to the uh you know bc era people were doing certain you know uh quote unquote adjustments or or spinal manipulation or cracking or whatever you know, popping your back, terms like that, you know, uh, people have been doing that stuff for a long period of time. So to explain kind of the idea of it, he came up with the, I mean, they came up with like a bone out, like a, you've got bone out of place or spinal misalignments that's causing your symptoms. Okay. Uh, over the last century or whatever, we've gotten better understandings about what's actually happening when, when we pop someone back or when we do an adjustment or we do a spinal manipulation it's, mm-hmm. There's nothing out of there's nothing out of a line alignment, uh, unless you know, un, un, unless there's small circumstances in which there are, but in that case, you've got a lot more severe symptoms than back pain, right? <laughs> uh, and and uh, and so you've got other problems going on. If there's something actually out of place, uh, it depends on what part of your body it is, but you know, you might be dead. Um, <laughs> So, and that's, and that's kind of a hard thing to fix with an adjustment. Um, can't bring someone back to life, but Not yet. yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's coming, but, um, yeah. So, you know, there's common misconceptions that there's, there's a bone out of place. You're putting something back into place or you're realigning the spine. Um, those are really old outdated models of thinking that aren't supported by the evidence. So, right. um, that's what a lot of people think that they, that these adjustments do is they line, realign you. Um, they don't really do that. Um, so the best explanation of what they do, okay, it comes down to a little bit of anatomy and, and really small, almost like muscle cell, neur, neuro, uh, neurology, nerve cell level. So we're talking like tiny, tiny, tiny level um, of our body. And the adjustments, they're, they're what we call a high velocity, low amplitude. So high velocity means they're very, very quick, mm-hmm. right? Low amplitude means small movements, not a whole lot of like 
when you see someone do like, I'm sure you've seen like the Y strap adjustments where they, you know, hook you up on like a, looks like a handles with like water skiing and they yank on your neck. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's, yeah, go high, ahead, go ahead. that's high amplitude, meaning there's a lot of movement happening uh, uh-huh. or a lot of more force, right? Low, yeah. uh, high velocity, low amplitude adjustments is, is about speed and not a lot of movement. What that does is that creates a stretch within the, the nervous system inside the muscles, so the nerves that innervate the muscles, where they keep track of where you are in space, really, mm-hmm. um, and, and keep track of muscle forces and stuff like that, how they modulate muscle movement. Um, it could go into a, a lot of you know, names of specific cell types and stuff like that, but I don't need to do that right now. Um, but what happens is you get a quick stretch into the muscle, quick stretch into those nerve fibers, and it sends a basically a relay up to the brain or into the spinal cord, depending on what level you are at. Uh, and, and then that reflex comes back to those muscles, and it causes a little bit of relaxation within the muscles. So you go from tight muscles to relaxed muscles or from a level of protectiveness within mm-hmm to your body saying, okay, hey, maybe we can move, maybe we can move without any sort of threat to the body, right? Okay. And so it's kind of a, kind of a little bit of a reset to the nervous system that says, oh, hey, we can, we can move now, right? And so it's that extra little bit of saying, hey, we can move that opens up that range of motion. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that actually so, makes a ton of sense. And I never had it explained to me before, I guess, because I just never asked, so... Shout yeah. out to all the people that asked about this because I would have yeah. never asked. So, so it's it's in it's more input into our nervous system um, that is really really quick and fast. Uh, you can get sometimes the same kind of nervous system response from doing, say, massage therapy, or okay. from doing soft tissue work uh, like the scraping or the cupping, mm-hmm. uh, or or ART is a big one, right? Active release. Mm-hmm. Um, PIR, different, there's a lot of different acronyms for it. But yeah. the idea is kind of reset where, where your nervous system thinks you are in space and how well you can move. And, it, and the adjustments are just so fast at doing that uh, that it's, it's really easy sometimes to just adjust. Hey, I can move better. Then let's get you to exercising. Gotcha. And so it's moving better in those exercises. So we're creating better movement patterns. Right. And so there, there is something to like when people like say like, oh, I got adjusted and like, I just feel so relaxed and I feel so better. Like something like that. So, Oh yeah. 100%. That's like, that's like a thing because yeah. I think I've been adjusted. I want to say I've been adjusted like once or twice. And uh, it, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like the, the neck like freaked me out. Like I was like, I don't, I do not like this at all. Like, this is not yeah. for me. It's not for me. Uh, like, everything else was like, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I do, I do feel a little bit better. Like, this is kind of nice. But, yeah, like I said, the neck is just, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm being honest with you. So, I wanted to go back and ask you about that. Uh, I think you said it was called the Y-strap, right? And so, somebody sent me, a, like, a TikTok, and it was this person that, was, and again, going back to social media and, like, garbage information or 
people just putting stuff out there. Uh, there's this Y strap. This chick was hooked up to Y strap and supposedly it, like it totally like jacked her up, blah, 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 this and this. And I know that you said that that was different than um, high velocity, low amplitude. It was, or it was the opposite. It was right. It was uh, yeah. high amplitude, right? Yeah. So in, and, in my opinion, it's a high amplitude, which means it's a lot more movement right? Yeah. You're a, a lot higher of a force profile put into that. And, and you can, if you watch really good adjusting, um, which unfortunately, uh, in my opinion, watching a lot of social media, uh, chiropractors adjust, mm -hmm. they're not the best adjusters, um, okay. or, they're go, or they're going for the adjust or they're trying to do the adjustments that give the most pops or the most cavitations, which right. is not necessarily what that patient needs not um, what they need and it probably yeah. not the most beneficial to them right but you get a lot of cool pops and don't yeah. get me wrong the popping is cool but like yeah it's fun uh for the most part unless it freaks you out like your neck um, <laughs> yeah but the y strap uh it what the force it is putting on the spine is a distractive force right okay. and, and it, what we call an axial distraction um, and so the axial means it's along the axis of the spine, mm -hmm. right? From inferior to superior, uh, or okay. inferior, right? Towards the bottom of your spine, towards your to, sacrum, coccyx, towards... to the lumbar spine, right? And then starts at the, at the cervical spine. Okay. Now, and, and it's high, a high force profile because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to adjust you basically your entire spine from lower down by pulling on the neck um mm -hmm. now there's there's benefits to that axial distraction mm -hmm. right because that actually does create a lot of space in certain areas of the spine that cause people some problems um now i think where we run into the problem with it is how much force is put in uh and in my opinion the utilization of the y strap between the practitioner or the therapist mm -hmm. or that uh, the practitioner or the, uh, the chiropractor or, you know, PTs can do this as well. Technically mm -hmm. medical doctors and doctors, of osteopathic or the DOs, uh, they can also do, do manual therapies like this. Um, okay. but when they do that, they put that Y strap between them and the patient immediately. They lose the feedback that they can get by having their hands on the patient. Uh, the patient can tense up because all of a sudden you've got this thing wrapped around your neck and your head. Mm -hmm. That is, I think a little bit more scary than having your head in someone's hands. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can more easily get someone out of, out of uh, good alignment, right? Uh, having yourself, your, your hands one degree off to the side that has more impact further you know, down that, that person's spine, because now you're further away. Right. Mm, okay. Think, of, think about like, a, if you had a, this is, this is a really good one. Uh, think about driving up a hill or driving mm -hmm. down a hill uh, in the mountains. Right. And you've got something mm -hmm. that says like, Oh, 10%, 11% grade. gradient grade. Right. Mm -hmm. Where like, Oh, you're like, Holy crap. This is really, really downhill. Mm -hmm. Right take out a protractor or, or find something. The easy one to do, I think there's like an app on your phone. You can measure degrees, measure a 10, 10 degree angle, right? That's mm -hmm. so freaking small. Mm -hmm. 10 degrees of, of, of change is so small. 
when you're talking about being closer to something, right? It's so small to be off by one, like one to 10 degrees, but you amplify that over the, over a couple of feet. Now you're a couple inches different, right? So I feel like it's easier to get something, somebody out of, of good positioning once mm-hmm. when you move yourself further away from them, it increases uh, your ability to lose track of where they are in space. And so then when you're putting that level of force into somebody, I think mm-hmm. it's easier to make a mistake and it's easier to, to increase risk of adverse events. Um, and so when we're talking about the cervical spine or the neck, there's a lot of structures going through those areas. We're talking your spinal cord, your carotid artery, uh, you know, your, your vertebral artery, uh, all your veins that come down that return blood from your head, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, that if you get damage to those areas, you know, that it can be catastrophic. And by catastrophic, meaning uh, you can become paralyzed, you can, you know, you can have stroke. Those are the main ones. Um, mm-hmm. You can have other, other nerve injury as well. Uh, so the moment I take my hands off of a patient like that and, and put something between me and them, I lose track of where they are. And I, in, in my professional opinion, now you talk to another chiropractor who does the Y strap mm-hmm. uh, all the time and they might say it's, it's, it's a hundred percent safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I personally taking my hands off a patient and trying to adjust their neck. I'm not okay with that. Um, right. And I think can open you up for, for, you know, greater chance of hurting somebody. Now to be a hundred percent fair, there's small chances that you get hurt by me adjusting your neck by having my hands on you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, every risk of the, of the Y strap, uh, you have the risk of, of the same risk. And I think, I think smaller risk, but the same uh, possible outcomes, right? Uh, when you get adjusted manually. Okay, you so know? basically, it just kind of it's like just it's the application of the yeah, it's all about the, the technique. Appli- it's all about the application of the technique, and most of the time, when I see this from providers on on social media, they're they're going for they're going for likes, they're going for views, they're going to see how uh, how sensational can I make this look. And so to up the sensationalism, we sometimes up the amount of force we put in, uh, which I don't think is, is the right thing. And it, it right. gets a different outcome. Um, you tell the body then, hey, there might be this threat after this adjustment, as opposed to the adjustment taking away the threat or taking right. away the feeling of the threat. Um, and I've seen patients after having them having had the Y strap and they don't like mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. I've, also had, I've also had people who, who loved it. Uh, or I've known people who love it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one. I think, in my opinion, it's there's more risk than benefit from it, and I can get the benefit by having a hands-on adjustment, or not even doing an adjustment, but doing uh, a different um, a different kind of mobilization of the of the cervical spine that is that will get you the same benefit from it. So you know, there's safer way there's safer ways to get the benefit than doing a Y strap uh, adjustment. But you know if if you want to do it, like just know there's risks involved. Uh, right. same, thing, same thing with cervical adjusting. Um, 
but you know, just to dispel a little bit more of the fears of some of the things that I brought up, like stroke or paralyzation, the mm-hmm. risks of that are so freaking minimal. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talk to a medical doctor who works in the ER or, you know, who worked there for like 30 years, they'll say it's higher risk incidents, but the research just uh, supports, you know, a risk level of maybe, uh, you know, of the risk of someone having a, a, a stroke when they get adjusted is realistically in the range of one to two per 10 million uh, adjustments or one to two per 5 million adjustments um, gotcha. somewhere in that realm. Uh, and so, you know, think about other risks of something happening. That's so freaking minimal. I mean, mm-hmm. the risk of you having a stroke from, from getting adjusted is actually smaller than the risk of you getting struck by lightning. So, right. um, or, you know, say that a different way, the, the risk of you getting struck by lightning is greater than the risk of you having a stroke from, from an adjustment. So, you know, when, when you look at it that way, like there's more riskier things. Yeah. Um, and the benefits from the cervical adjusting, especially if you have neck pain or you have, you know, tingling or numbness that someone's called carpal tunnel in your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not coming from your carpal tunnel. Sometimes it's actually, you know, referred pain or, or ridiculous pain, ridiculous symptoms uh, that arise from your neck. And so then doing treatments in your neck actually gives you better outcomes um, than treating the risk specifically for that. Um, but it's all within that risk benefit analysis that, you know, as a, as a doctor and as a practice, you know, a physician, that's what I'm looking at doing is finding treatments that will get you the best outcome while minimizing the risk. And, you know, for some people, we're not adjusting their neck. It's just not going to happen either mm-hmm. because they don't want it to happen, which in your case, you, you haven't had a great experience with it. You know, if you were to come see me as a patient, you tell me that I'm like, cool, we don't have to adjust your neck. We'll do other things. Mm-hmm. Do I think yeah. adjusting, do I think adjusting your neck will, will get us there quicker? Yes, I do. But do we have to do it? No, we don't. Um, but yeah, did I, so did I answer your question about the Y strap? I know it was kind of wordy, but no, 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 dude, that was, uh, so yeah, like I said, Ed, there was just multiple questions came in about adjustments. Like, like I said, good, bad, like what are they yeah. purpose and stuff like that. And so you covered the whole and it was very informative and it, it actually kind of like opened me up a little bit more to it because I've, like I said, I've never been like a fan of getting adjusted personally. And yeah. so, but I do know that other people find benefit from it. And so it was really, uh, I'm glad that you broke it down like that because now I understand like the, the purpose of the adjustment and it does have to, it does have to do with more of a, like a neurological component to it. And that's how people get like that relaxed feeling and it does have its purpose and its benefits and stuff. And like I said, I know you as, uh, excuse me, as a practitioner is like that, you're not just like, hey, I'm gonna crack you and like everything is all good. Like, no, like I'm gonna crack you or I'm gonna adjust you. But there's like other things that we need to address besides like you're more, you're more thorough and more in depth than just like, yeah, I just go see my chiropractor to get adjusted type of guy, you know? Yeah. And, and know, so that really cleared it up. And I'm yeah. sure there's other people out there uh, that are other chiropractors that are, are that hold the same opinion as you on certain things. And so it was just really, it was really good to clear the air about a certain thing that just I myself had thought about. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Like that, that makes a little bit more sense now. Like I get it. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing is, you know, every, this is, this is, this irritates me to no end, but every chiropractor, is going to have their own way of explaining it. Um, right. Which, which is dumb. Um, I think, 
because we can, we should be able to come to a consensus on it. But there mm-hmm. are some there are some chiropractors out there who will tell you, um, and who for whatever whole, you know disregarding the research will wholeheartedly tell you that's because you have subluxations or uh, or spinal misalignments. That's why mm-hmm. you need to be adjusted. Um, if you realistically have a, have a mis- misalignment in your spine, um, there's probably something further going on. Um, so I don't know if you see a chiropractor like that, just like challenge them a little bit <laughs> just yeah. for fun. Uh, <laughs> see what they say. Um, cause I would, cause I'm a dick. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like you ask if, if you have a chiropractor and you go see your chiropractor and, and you ask them what the adjustment does, just, you know, don't be surprised if they say something different than what I said. Um, yeah. because this is, this, this is all kind of hypothetical. And, and based on conjecture and based on what we know about anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why, you know, chemistry is super important because this all has a chemical background as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a physiological background of like how the, the way I explained it is I think the best research backed up explanation mm-hmm. of, of what the adjustments do. Um, but again, don't be surprised if you just ask this random Cairo, like what the, the adjustment do, like, don't be surprised if they, you know, spout off this weird kind of, you know, pseudoscience sounding, uh, answer because right. that's kind of where we're at in, uh, in, in chiropractic or even in physical therapy sometimes is, you know, we're still learning about the human body and, and anatomy and physiology that oh, yeah. like, every day every day there's something new right um and we've only had our our understanding of of even modern medicine over the last 100 to 150 years um and so you know if you look in the grand scheme of of human history that's not a long time right so there's a lot of different explanations for things that are still out there um and in 15 years i might be proved wrong with my uh with with my understanding of this Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, just don't be surprised. Yeah, cool, man. Well, that was great. Um, yeah, a great explanation on the adjustments. That was the biggest thing. A- another, this was just kind of like a funny question, but it's just, and I think he kind of let it be known already. But it's just is uh, when you're hearing like uh, the pops during the adjustments, like is that like satisfying to you or is that just like part of it you know what i mean <laughs> like do i get off on the pops or something like that uh i that's mean I didn't, weird, I, didn't, but... I didn't say that but i, don't I mean some people some people would um, i don't even know if you want to answer I that <laughs> i mean yeah i'll answer it because and maybe i'll answer it with a little bit of physiological background of of what the pops are um so good understanding probably is what the pops are is uh when you adjust a joint or when you when you manipulate the joint and you hear that pop, uh, what it is, is, is the joint spaces between one bone and another bone actually separating. And so when I say separating, that mean like slightly moving apart in their normal mm-hmm. physiological range of motion. Uh, not like you're putting a bone back in place or you're moving one out of alignment or something like that. No, mm-hmm. it's just moving them in their normal physiological movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and they separate, right? Mm-hmm. Just like sometimes you move your hands and your knuckles pop. It right. just happens, right? But when we move those, those those joint spaces apart, you increase the volume of the joint, which decreases the, the pressure, and then you get a phase change of, 
some of, of the fluid in there into, into air bubbles or, or a gaseous, uh, gaseous state moving from liquid to a gaseous state or I mean, solution to a gaseous state. Right. Uh, and so when that happens, then that's what the pop is. It's just gas formation inside the joint. Gotcha. Um, and so that's the, that's the pop you hear. Uh, so is it satisfying? Oh, freaking absolutely. Dude, when I just like, it's going to sound, it's going to sound kind of bro but when I zipper someone's back, when I'm doing a lumbar adjustment or something, you just hear freaking every, uh, every joint in their back cavitate. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that satisfying? Yeah, it is. It's really satisfying. It's really cool to hear, uh, for me and for the patient. It makes it seem like something extra has been done. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is, even when you don't get those cavitations, but you simply put the same force, that same high velocity, low amplitude force into a joint, mm-hmm. you actually get the same physiological response. So pops you, or no pops. You, pops or no pops, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, our little monkey brains want to hear the pop because that makes it seem <laughs> like it's working. Yeah, because it makes it sound like something happened. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so what we're looking for as chiropractors or, 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 you know, a manip- the manipulator, it sounds weird saying the manipulator. Yeah. So you manipulate this, this, but, Yeah. I know. Right. Uh, but <laughs> as the practitioner, whoever's doing the manipulations, uh, mm-hmm. what we're looking for is feeling that joint movement. Right. Okay. Or, or we test beforehand and we say, Hey, that joint just doesn't move. Like it should, it should, it seems like it should move. Or okay. it's not moving in that same range of motion. It seems like it should move in. Do the adjustment. If we hear pops, cool. We still want to test that range of motion to make sure is it is it moving better, or is it not moving better? If it's moving better, great, cool, move on. If it's not moving better, maybe we need to try a different adjustment. Try again, okay. um, and try and get that one area moving better. And most of the time, we do another adjustment. Boom, moves better. Um, but most of the time, if we hear the pops, like yeah, we got stuff moving really well. Um, but there's a circumstance, some, some circumstances we hear pops, we didn't get it. We don't hear pops. We got it. We got things moving. If even sometimes if we don't hear pops, um, but they are satisfying to answer. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Nance, dude, I appreciate your time. We've been going for uh, about an hour and 15 minutes now. So, um, yeah. or wait, no hour 45. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, dude, dude, I, can keep, I can keep going on this stuff, dude, all yeah. day long. You know, I geek out on it. Um, yeah. And so I, I enjoyed the discussion. We'll definitely do this again. I, it's easier now to do like both. Now yeah. that I figured this out. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, definitely. I definitely want to have another discussion. Do we talked about everything? We talked about uh, coaching. We talked about CrossFit. We talked about um, the adjustments at the end, which is what people wanted to hear about, and we didn't do it until the very end. But it was still a lot of good information that you put out, and a lot of. Um, well, good stuff coming uh, from you too, you know? Yeah. Well, thank like you. Conversation is not just one way. Uh, you know, I learn a lot from you. Hopefully maybe you learn a lot from me. I don't know. I did. I, I really you. did. Especially about the adjustments and stuff. Cause I, like I said, I never even really thought to ask about them. I was just kind of like adjustment averse. And so I'm like, I don't really care to know, but it definitely did change my perspective a little bit on them. I see like the utility of them. Yeah. Um, hearing your explanation, of course, you know, and stuff like that. And, and also the pops too. So it was like a lot of good info and stuff. And so um, where can people uh, find you? I know you have uh, Instagram and then of course go see you in the office. That's what I tell everybody. It's, yeah. You're, it, 
yeah so you know people can always reach out via social media um my my instagram is uh abysmal my social media present present is uh abysmal um yeah just, just because just who because cares? I, because yeah. who cares you're, uh, re- you're a relationships guy so it's like yeah i'm a relationships guy like if i if, if if you come to me and and you ask me a question i'm gonna give you all the freaking information i can or if, yep. and if i don't have the information i'm gonna dig to find it and, and yep. give you the you know the best explanation that you can possibly get for whatever's going on. Um, and, and, you know, we can, we can have conversations about stuff. So, you know, social media is not really the place for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Social media is the place uh, to, to get attention if you're seeking it um, mm-hmm. you, or, or, you know, keep up with, you know, this, this acquaintance you met at a conference, you know, 15 years ago that you, you know, you don't know anymore, but you want to, randomly see pictures of them in their food uh, <laughs> or them and their dog or you know how attached to their video games they are you know stuff like that it's yep. what social media is really good for um it's not really great for information either it's it's you know you can get a lot of information but it's 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 not always the best um so i don't i don't love social media but you can reach out to me on instagram or facebook i'll get back to you you know most of the time same day um Otherwise, yeah, come and see me in the office uh, here in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, you know, you can, my uh, website is acceleratesportandspine.com. Um, I'm sure Louie can put a link to that. In. I'm going to put all of it in the show okay. notes. Too. Yeah, yep. show notes, put a link. Um, I don't know anything about podcasts either. I just listen to them. <laughs> oh, hey, then- <laughs> I don't um, barely I barely know anything either. I just press record and start talking. Yeah. Uh but yeah, reach out to me. Uh, my website's got my email address on it, my phone number. Um I'm really uh really responsive to phone calls, emails, um text messages if you want. Um but text messages I don't get back to all the time uh, immediately, so just be patient. Uh, yeah. we all got lives, right? Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any, any further questions about things, you can shoot them to Louie, Louie can give them to me, uh, or you can contact me directly, um, really any way possible, email, social media, phone, uh, but I'm happy to answer anything or talk to you about whatever's going on. If you got any pain, uh, you know, discomfort, or you're not reaching your goals in the gym, uh, Louie can help you with those. But, you know, if it's a pain related thing or like a movement related thing and we need a little bit of extra, extra bump to it to, to get you rolling, you know, that's when a little bit of better approach um, or not a better approach, but a different approach um, mm-hmm. can help. Yeah, right? different perspective, different perspective, different, different, different perspective, different, you know, um, different modalities and simply yep. exercise. Sometimes that can help out as well. Um, yep. And I think, you know, uh, working with a personal trainer, working with a strength coach like Louie. Uh, and, uh, and working with, uh, a movement professional, like a, uh, like a physical therapist or, or a chiropractor, you know, goes hand in hand, you know, um, we got to work, we got to all work together to get you guys to reach your goals. Um, so yeah. Sweet. Well, Fun stuff, Louis. Doc Nance, I appreciate your time here and, uh, all the information that you gave, uh, today in the discussion. It was great. And, uh, we'll do this again in a couple weeks, dude. Yeah, let's do it. Anytime, dude. Always, always all game right. for it. All right, we'll chat later, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Peace.